You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. So this morning I want to share with you what I title Contending by Promise. Okay? Contending by what? Promise. By promise. So when you go to battle, you need to, you need to understand the kind of weaponry that is available to you. You need to understand that the promise of God is part of your weaponry. It's part of what God has given to you to engage the enemy. And as part of the army of the Lord, we will have to be very, very conversant with the promises of God and how to use the promises of God in our lives. So that's what this is about this morning. Why don't we just pray? Father, I thank you and I glorify you. <clears throat> thank you for your word, which is true. Your promises are yes and they are amen. Your word is true. Your word is powerful. Your promises will never fail. Lord, I thank you as we go into your word this morning. I receive utterance. Speak through me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let everyone here hear from you. Not just to hear me, but let them hear you. Because I'm nothing. You are all that matters. I tap into the fellowship of mystery right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Contending by promise. It's interesting, uh, we, we ministered to the people just now, and one of the things, it's on the premise that the Holy Spirit is the promise. It's, he is the promise of the Father. So just based on that promise, they could stand here. Yeah? And put their faith in the promise. Put their faith in the promise and receive the promise. So, it is possible for you to put your faith in the promise. Take a stand. Take a stand on the promise of God. And by faith, Walk in the reality of that promise. But I have news for you. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in the promise. And that's why there's need for contention. That's why you need to what? Fight. You need to contend with the enemy. Hallelujah. You contend with the enemy because... If you don't, the promise will not come to pass. Oh, 
Hallelujah. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. 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 We appreciate your presence. All the way from Swaziland, Apostle Mate. <laughs> welcome, sir. Amen. Amen. So, we are talking about contending by promise. Contending by promise. So, we are, I want you to be skilled. I want you to be skilled at contending with the promises of God. In other words, using the promises of God to contend for whatever it is God has promised you. Whatever it is God has said in His Word, I want you to know that it will be disappointing to God if you do not contend. If you, it will be disappointing to God after all He has done, He has paid the price, He has taken time over 1,500 years to compile this book. Do you understand? He took time to put it all together to give to you and then for you to get all of this now and sit down and not contend. And then you now uh, begin to say, what will be, will be. And the enemy is the one that introduces some of those things. There are some statements we hear and we think is biblical. It's not biblical. Coursera will not be. It will not be. Yeah. So that's from human philosophy. That says what will be, will be. But I have news for you. What will be, will not be. You have to make it to be. Okay? So, and as I was meditating on this message, the Holy Spirit dropped something in my heart. It says, there are direct promises. Okay? There are direct promises, and then there are promises that come through mediators. And... There are different principles that govern this. And I'll give you, let's, let's start by looking at the scripture, Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 10. Look at what the Lord says there. He says, for as the rain goes down and snow from heaven and do not return... Do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Okay? So this is the word that comes from the mouth 
of God. He says, the word that comes out from my mouth, that is direct. Are you following me? That is direct. That it came out directly from his mouth. He says, when that word goes out from his mouth, it cannot. It is impossible for it not to come to pass. That's why he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word, not one jot, not one tittle of his word, not one dot of the I, or the crossing of the T, will go unfulfilled. So far as it came out of his mouth, it's impossible. Somebody say impossible. It's impossible for it not to come to pass. That's why if God walks into this place now and says, this chair is a talking chair. Guess what? The chair will start talking. Because it came out of his mouth. If If it came out of his mouth, there is nothing that can stop it. The whole of heaven and the whole of creation is at stake when it comes out of his mouth. In fact, his existence is at stake. So he has put it, he has, he has exalted his word above his name. He has exalted his word above his name. So when it comes out directly from his mouth, it's sorted. It's sorted. And that is why God does not talk directly all the time. Because when he says some things, it's sorted. It's sorted, I'm telling you. So, we need to understand that there are things that must be fulfilled. The most. So when he spoke to Abraham, for instance, when he spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, right? In Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1, the Bible says there that God called Abraham, right? The Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country. Now, this is a direct, this is direct. God is not speaking through any mediator. He meets Abraham and begins to talk to him. Okay? He begins to talk to him. He says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Okay? Then he says, I will. Come on. I will. Yes? Make you a great nation. Remember, he's talking to an individual. He's talking to an individual. He says, I will make you a nation. So can can, can you see how God God thinks? He's not saying, I will make you uh, significant. No, 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 no. He says, I will make you a great nation. So he doesn't need any help. 
Do you understand? Yeah. When he's talking like that, when he comes to talk direct, he doesn't need any, he doesn't need the help of anybody. His word is his help. Hallelujah. So he says, I will make you a great nation. It's settled. Consider it done. Yes. I will bless you and make your name great. Yes. And you shall be a blessing. It's sorted. Consider it done. All right? Verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you. Anybody that wants to be blessed, they just need to identify, locate Abraham, start blessing Abraham. Start blessing Abraham. Let me tell you, there are people that if you bless, you will be blessed. I'm telling you. So, he says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. Anybody that wants to be cursed, go and curse Abraham. Just go and curse Abraham. You are cursed. Abraham doesn't even need to respond. He doesn't need to pray. Do you understand? Yeah, he doesn't need to pray. That's why there are some prayers I don't pray. Because I know the promise that I'm carrying. Do you understand? Yeah. And if you don't know the promise, you will just be doing everything everybody's doing. It's because you don't know the promise. But when you know, hallelujah, there's a difference. Okay? It says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is one person he's talking to. How? Where do you... If you want to, okay, sit down now. Let's strategize. How are we going to bless every family on earth? You can't do it. Your brain can't even... How many families do you know? Where, where will you start? But you see, God does not work like that. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts from our thoughts and his ways from our ways. The problem with us is that we try to reduce God to our level of thinking. Our logic. We use our logic and we want to use that to now determine how God is going to do things. That's an insult. Okay? So, direct promises of God cannot be changed. There are things that once God says, I say it cannot. Even God himself cannot change it. That's what I'm trying to say. Even God himself cannot change it. Like what he said to Abraham. There's no way. How? You know, before the throne, there are 24 elders. And all those elders, ask yourself, why does God need elders? What is their role? So they are watching. As God is speaking, they are watching. Okay. God, you have said this. It has to be. 
He has put a system in place that cannot be broken. Even he cannot change it. And it's all governed by his word. So he's not like us or our leaders that will say something today, tomorrow we'll say something else. Then we'll say something else. Then we look for technicalities, how we can escape this and twist this and make this to mean this. Meanwhile, this is what... You know, all those schemes in God's kingdom don't exist. They don't exist. And this is why you need to have unshakable faith in the word of God. For, For God's promise to fail... God has to die. And it's impossible for God to die. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. So in other words, if he speaks directly, no repentance. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, I don't know about you. He says, in fact, let's read this in the New Living, uh, Young's Literal Translation. You'll like it in the Young's Literal. Verse 1. He says, And Jehovah said to Abraham, Go for thyself. From thy land, from thy kindred, from the house of thy fathers, unto the land which I shew thee. And I what? Can you see that? I'm not. He's not saying I'm going to. I make. That's a literal Hebrew. So when when speaking, when he calls Abraham, he says, "Get out." Now, I make. How did he make? By speaking. He made by what? Speaking. Speaking. He made him by speaking. He says, I make thee become a great nation. Amazing. And bless thee and make thy name great. Be thou a blessing. incredible. People don't talk like that. Man does not have the capacity to talk like that. Only Jehovah can talk like that. I make you a nation. Ah, Not just a nation, a great nation. Look at the nation of Israel today. Incredible. Eight million people. Barely the size of Kruger National Park. But you can't defeat them. They are surrounded by enemies. They are great in every sense of the word great. In every sense, they are great. Why? God made it the day he spoke to Abraham. It took years, but it came to pass. Amen? 
Now, the things he's saying about you, you better believe it. Because the devil believes God's promise over your life more than you do. He knows. In fact, do you know that even the devil uses the word of God? He, he does things by the word. Yeah. Because he knows that the word of God is the mechanism by which you get things done. It's the operational mechanism for achieving things. So how does he do that? How does Satan do that? He studies the word. He studies the word. Look at when he came to deceive Eve. He didn't do it without the word of God. Huh? Correct? Hath God said. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Remember, he's trying to deceive. Okay? He's trying to deceive, but in order to deceive, he needs the word of God. That's why you need to be careful. We're in the era of deception, and the deception is not without the word. Yeah. So he says, Hath God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? <laughs> he knows that God said. Alright? To achieve his purpose, he has to investigate what God has said. He investigates what God has said, then he now takes what God has said. And he perverts it. But the point I'm trying to make is that he uses the word. He uses the word. Had God said, you shall not eat of every tree um, of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay? Then, look at what Satan says. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You see, you can see how he, how he frames it. It's a mixture of the truth and his and his uh, lies. In fact, deception doesn't always have to be a lie. Not every deception is a lie. So it's just taking the truth and making the truth to say what it is not saying. So he needs the word to get his job done. Now if Satan needs the word, God needs the word, who are you not to need the word? Who are you not to need his word? 
So, well, you get the drift. Satan uses the word. You can see, even when he went to tempt Jesus, he used the word. Correct? He will always use the word. When he wants to mislead you, I have news for you, he will use the word. And that's why you need to study. Huh? Study the word. You need to know the word. If you don't know the word, you will be deceived. You will be deceived. Most of the deception on earth today, I'm telling you, is word-based. It's word-based. That's why the Bible says that teachers will be judged with a stricter judgment. Because they are supposed to be skilled in the word. And they are supposed to teach people, help them open their eyes and guide them to the way. The way, the truth, and the life. So not just the way, not just the truth, they need to guide them to the life. And if they don't guide them to the life, they will be judged. Their hell will be worse. Their punishment in hell will be worse. That's why the Bible says don't be quick to be teachers. Yeah, there is a higher standard of judgment for teachers. Why? Because they, if they don't use the truth correctly, they're in deep trouble with God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there is the direct promise. Okay? If the Lord walks into your room now, and makes a promise to you. That's a direct promise. And you need to know. It's not good. I can stop it. So that's a direct promise. Hmm? A direct promise. Is like. Um, when God appeared to Moses and spoke to him in the burning bush. There was nothing that could change it. So even though Moses felt inadequate, he felt ill-equipped, he felt God had to make a plan to make it come to pass. Okay? Now, then there is the indirect, which is through mediators. And that is when God sends a prophetic word to you. All right? God sends a prophetic word to you. A prophetic word can be changed. Yes. It can be changed. Can be changed. When, remember when God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Go and prophesy to Nineveh. You, judgment is coming. The prophet is blowing the trumpet, preaching. You know, Jonah was the greatest preacher apart from Jesus. Yeah. Have you ever heard of any prophet that preached and a whole nation <laughs> repented? Have you, have you heard of any? No preacher.
Teacher has had that kind of result. So that should tell you the level of his prophetic ministry and authority. So as he was prophesying, prophesying, the word got to the king. It got to the king and the king was shaking in his boots. What kind of a word is this? He begins to shake and the king called for repentance. National repentance. Yeah. We should be having days of national repentance in Africa. I'm telling you. He called for national repentance. Three days fast. Even sucking babies must fast. Animals must fast. The cow must fast. The goat must fast. Everybody has to fast. It by the king's decree. And they're busy fasting. You know what? God goes back to, <laughs> to his prophet. He says, uh, Jonah, by the way, go back and tell them that uh, this thing you prophesied is not going to happen. Ah. That was the problem now. Jonah said, God, I knew you are this kind of a God. So merciful. You see, if God had spoken to Nineveh directly, it would not have been able to change. If he just from the cloud, because many people want God to speak like that. How many people want God to speak like that? From the cloud. Just from the South Africa. This is what if it comes out of his mouth, it's sealed. It's sealed. That's why if, if he sends a prophet, it is mercy. Yeah. If he sends a prophet to declare it, it is to show you how merciful he is. Then there is an option. Hallelujah. So, Jonah was angry. But God didn't change his mind. Jonah, this is it. You have to go back. So, when it comes through a medium. Huh? No, let me not use that word. Medium, because that's a suspect. Through a mediator. Through a prophet. Huh? It's different. It's like when God sent Isaiah to Hezekiah. Remember? In 2 Kings chapter 20. In fact, let's read it. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings 20 from verse, from verse 1. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. How many people even have the privilege of being informed? 
that it's time to die, to set their house in order. Imagine. They say, okay, it's like the prophet comes and says, okay, if you have not written your will, write your will now, and uh, you need to put things, organize your family and all of that, because uh, it's time to die. It's a good way to die. Rather than just wake up and discover you are in heaven or somewhere else. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, this here you see, God tell, uses the prophet to tell him. And then the next verse, look at Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart, and I have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Yes? And it happened before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return. And tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs and yeah. All right. Anyway, you see, you get the, you get the message. Isaiah comes. I mean, Isaiah is minding his business. He's minding his business. God says, go to the king. Go and tell him to put his house in order. Put his cabinet, put his transition plan, in, uh, his succession plan in place. Put everything in place. I think that was awesome. We need more of those kind of experiences. Where people, before they die, God will say, okay, put things in order. Sort this, that. And then you go and sleep and be with the Lord. Yeah. That's how the patriarchs died. Yeah, we need to have those kind of experiences. Yeah. So, um, Isaiah goes back. God gives him 15 extra years. So, when you read that, you think, ah, but God, the Bible says God is, uh, God is uh, not a man. He will not repent. And, uh, but, but no, 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 no. You need, to, you need to see the difference between the two. So, if he sends a prophet, he can say to the 24 elders, it was prophetic. <laughs> but when God is speaking, it, that's not prophetic, that's God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> amen. So we see here, this is, this, is a, a, this is amazing. So if you are going to contend, now how, how do you contend by promise? How do you contend by promise? 
there is an interesting story in the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, let's look at Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. And I read from verse 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephne, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Okay? Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely... The land where your food has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now... Here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Both for going out and for coming in. Incredible. A, an 85 years old man is preparing to go to war. Ah, those guys had something. Amen? Yeah. They had something which we need to learn from. It says, Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how Anakim were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You see, what was it that gave him this kind of boldness? What gave him this kind of courage was the fact that there was a promise. There was a promise. Paul told Timothy... It says, wage a good warfare by the prophecies that were spoken over your life. The prophetic word. When a prophet gives you a word, when the, the man of God, the woman of God gives you a word from God, you can take that word and use it to fight. I'm telling you. You can use it to fight and you will see things happen. So we see here, let's read on. And uh, Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephne, as inheritance. Okay? Right. 
Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephne, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So it was given to him by inheritance. And he, he, Caleb goes to Joshua. It's time to divide the land. And he remembers what God said through Moses from Numbers 13, 14, that, in that place. Huh? And, yeah, Caleb, you, you're going to possess some things, eh? <laughs> Joshua, make sure you divide the inheritance. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But you see, I, I, I also love the way Caleb went about possessing this place. Now he says, as I was, I was strong that time. I am still strong. I still have the same energy. Give me the mountain. He's not asking for a plane. He's asking for a mountain. That means they'll have to climb up to go and fight. Correct? They're going to fight to, to, to possess that land. But he needed the backing of a promise. Yeah. Many Christians get defeated because they fight without a promise. Yeah. I'm telling you. They get defeated. The enemy is, he also studies the word. So that's why when you're going to fight, you need to be armed with the promise. Amen. And if you remember your scriptures in Ephesians chapter 6, um, Paul was telling us that the the sword of the Spirit is the Word. It's the Word. It's interesting. If you, read, if you study the book of Joshua, one of these days we will do the book of Joshua. So if you study the book of Joshua, one of the things you realize about Joshua is they are always with the sword. With the sword. With the sword. He defeated this people with the sword. He defeated with the sword. You will see that throughout the book of Joshua. And what does that mean? The word. The word. The word. He used the word to defeat his enemies. One of the reasons why Moses could not cross over into the promised land is because he didn't know how to change from the rod in his hand to the rod of the word in his mouth. Yeah. God said, speak. And then he struck. And God said, eh? You violate my principle? Forget it. You're out. Ah, God, but you know, you know who we are? You know the kind of relationship? Don't even talk about it. It's sealed. Because it came out directly. If God had sent a prophet to tell Moses, maybe there would have been a room for negotiation. Yeah. Moses had been using his rod all the time. He divided the Red Sea. He performed wonders in Egypt. He, you know. So now the time came to transit to another level of operation. But he was stuck in his old ways. The old wineskin. Do you understand? So he could not 
shift into the new move. The new move of God was not carrying the stick. It's now in your mouth. And that's why he found that Joshua didn't need a stick. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Not out of your hand. No, your mouth. Hallelujah. So that's why you need the word. You need the word. Okay? But there's something else I want to bring to attention. The Bible says uh, in Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 9, is it 18 or so, where it says wisdom is better than weapons of war. Remember last week we talked about how the promise needs, there's a combination. That you need to combine it. You cannot just take a promise and then expect it to happen. There are other things that need to be mixed up with the promise in order for the promise to be fulfilled. Look at what it says. Wisdom is better. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. One, two, three. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Hallelujah. So wisdom is better than weapons of war. Now, Joshua had the promise. Uh, Caleb had the promise. He goes to Joshua and he says, remember what Moses said. In fact, Moses even swore that this will be my inheritance. I have come for it. Okay? So Joshua gives it to him. And um, Caleb says, I am the way. How, you remember how strong we were 45 years ago? I'm still like that. Now. But the only difference is that now I'm wiser. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, you cannot live 45 years and still be the same way you were. There's a problem. Okay. So at that time, I would go physically to go and fight. But now I'm going to fight by wisdom. So I'm going to combine the promise with wisdom. Okay? So let's look at chapter 15. Because of time, I will just read. I'll just read two verses. Verse uh, chapter 15 of Joshua, right? Back to Joshua chapter, let's read chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Look at what it says. 16 and 17. It says, And Caleb said, He who attacks Kejath, Shephah, and takes it to him, I will give Acha, my daughter, as wife. Come on. I thought, Caleb, you are strong. You can just go and fight and take it. He said, yeah, I have the strength, but I'm wiser. So this is what is called incentive motivation. Come on. Somebody say incentive motivation. Yeah. So Caleb knows I can go and do it. But there are a lot of young men here. Come on. There are a lot of young men here. 
who are able to fight even better than me. They have more energy. So I have to think of how to motivate them to help me to get this place. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he says, anyone that is able to take this, this is your reward. And those guys, they have been, you know, maybe they have been receiving no all the time. You know, everybody, you, marry you, for no, impossible. You, no, I'm not in your league. <laughs> you know, all those things. <laughs> so, Caleb now puts this out. Look at verse 17, next verse. He says, so Othniel, the son of Canaan, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave him Acha, his daughter, as wife. So Othniel decided, oh my God, with this kind of motivation. Blood for blood. I cannot fail. After that, he goes, he conquers the place and brings it to Caleb. Caleb legally has been able to possess it without going to fight. That's the power of wisdom. And that's why when you receive a promise, don't think the promise is all that is required. You need wisdom. You need patience. You need faith. You need to add all those things together. Hallelujah. And you use that to fight. Contend by promise. Are you ready to contend? Contend. You don't, you don't go and waste your energy. No, no, be strategic. Be strategic. So when God gives you a promise, don't run. Wait. Let it mature. Hallelujah. It's amazing what the Lord is beginning to show me now. I'm like, God, this is looking so clear. It didn't look clear before. Now it's like the connections. Things are linking, linking. In the spirit. You can see how this connects with this. This connects with that. I'm like, what? No effort. It's getting clearer. Hallelujah. We're preparing to mobilize the army. To take the land. So you have to wait for the promise to mature. But then. Even when it matures, you even need to know how to contend. You don't contend just anyhow. Take time to get some wisdom. Take time to know your terrain. Take time to understand your enemy. Take time to know what you are dealing with. All those things are important. That way we will not fail. We will win. Amen? I think I've said enough, right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many people are going to contend by promise? You want to wage a good warfare by the promises of God. If the promises are yes and they are amen, that means there's nothing that can stop them except you. Accept you. 
if you fail to mix, put the right combination, <laughs> then it won't come to pass. But if you will take your time to put the right combination, the right dose of wisdom, it's like, you know, it's like when a woman is cooking, different spices, different ingredients and all of that. There are measures of those things that are required. And men too. That's right. In fact, men even better, right? <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. Saturday, I want to see all the men. Every man in this church, 9 o'clock in the morning, I want to see you here. Hallelujah. We need, we need to begin to prepare to take the land. There are some promises we need to contend for. There are some promises we need to possess. Hallelujah. Last week I said a few things about the female things like that. Uh, female gender. And some, some ladies were excited. I have some secret for you men. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Amen. We are going to contend. I promise. We are going to be wise. We are not going to be foolish warriors. Do you understand? You can fight without lifting your hand in the spirit. There are ways to do it. There are ways to do it. The devil is too small for you. But do you know how to use what you have? That's our problem doesn't matter how deadly the weapon you have is. You know, in Israel, every three years, I mean, everyone that gets educated is trained in military warfare. And every three years, they have to go back for a refresher course where they get updated with the latest military uh, technology. Every three years. Can you imagine that? Every three years, they have to go back. So part of the education, three years they spent, they spend for military training. Everybody, male and female. I think the female is two years, male three years. Everybody goes through military training. After three years, you go back for one month, refresher course. Every three years, you go back. Every three years. So if there is war, guess what? The whole nation is ready to take up arms. We've all been trained. And that's how we're going to train as a church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Everyone here is going to be a warrior. Amen. You have to be a warrior. Amen. You'll be trained in warfare, tactics, strategies, and all that. We're going to go through all of that. Amen. So you are prepared and equipped. And the day we say to you, go and take this territory, you know exactly what to do. Amen. You, you don't need a title for that. You don't need to be a pastor for that. You, you don't need any ordination for that. You're ordained. Yeah. I declare you ordained. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, but we are going to equip you. Hallelujah. I know what God told me. 
and it shall come to pass. Amen. This is preparation time. Touch your neighbors. This is preparation time. Hallelujah. Yeah. The promise is still in the womb. It's still in the womb. But at the right time, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, made of a woman. Let's stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.